Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. For this episode of the Women in Scripture podcast, I'm delighted to have with me Esther Corrigan. So Esther, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure, it's really nice to be with you. Um, I'm Esther. I am married to Matt. We've got two little boys called Tobias and Noah. Baby is two and a half and Noah's um, six months. Um, I'm originally from Stafford, so I'm from Birmingham Diocese, born and bred. Um, But I've lived down in Southampton for a few years and we've just moved back up here. My husband started working at school up in Stoke. Um, I think I might share a little bit more of that journey later on. Great. Well, we're we're very happy to have you back in this diocese. So welcome back home. Thank you. So would you like to tell us who you've chosen, which woman from the scriptures? Sure. So I've gone with a little bit of a curveball one um, in that I've chosen the hemorrhaging woman. So she appears in three of the Gospels, but the particular I suppose, version of her story that I like the most is in the Gospel of Mark. So would it be okay if I just read her story a little bit? It's only a few verses. Yes. I'm just aware she might not be a character that we're as familiar with with some of the the bigger female characters in the Bible. So she appears in Mark 5, um, verses 25 to 34. And that says, A large crowd followed Jesus and pushed very close around him. Among them was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered very much from many doctors and had spent all the money she had. But instead of improving, she was getting worse. When the woman heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his coat. She thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. At once, Jesus felt power go out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His followers said, look at how many people are pushing against you. And you ask, who touched me? But Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched the woman, knowing that she was healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Shaking with fear, she told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, dear woman, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. So why have you chosen her? What's so attractive about her to you? So this woman, I think the biggest thing that she gives me is that she challenges me to believe that I'm seen. So the first time I ever read this passage, um, I remember sort of trying to like in prayer, put myself into the story. And I was really surprised because where I found myself was just on the edge, watching him perform this miracle and believing that Jesus could heal her. So it wasn't a question of faith. I thought, yeah, I completely believe that Jesus can heal. But the thought that I was aware of in my heart was, but he wouldn't do it for me. I believe that he can heal, but not that he would do it for me. So I wouldn't be brave enough to go and touch that cloak because, yeah, he would do it for this woman. But why would he do it for me? But I think that there's two things that that her story shows me about that, that idea. One is that she had faith that she would be healed. So she knew that she would be seen by Jesus. When she went forward, she says, you know, if only I can touch his cloak, I will be healed. She believes that that he will do this. I remember watching a TV show on Netflix a little while ago. And one of the episodes was called No One's Coming. And it, I mean, it was a comedy, but the, the kind of premise of it was like that point in your adult life where you realise that no one's coming for you. Like you have to do this life by yourself. And I thought, well, what a 
you know, as much as I identify with that from a cultural point of view, what a, a sad view of life that no one's coming for us. We have to, to fend for ourselves. We think we have to do it alone. But this woman believed she didn't have to, you know, she tried doing it by herself, actually. You know, we don't know what she'd been through exactly. We know she'd had a hard time trying to heal this process, that this um, illness that she had. But she, at this point in her life, thought, I believe that Jesus will heal me. She had that faith. And then the second thing is that she had the courage to identify herself. So afterwards, she's been healed, but Jesus asks her, you know, who was it? And she could have just kind of scurried away and, and taken that healing. But when he turns around, you know, there must have been that level of fear. It does say she was shaken with fear, at identifying herself in front of the crowd as the one that's kind of had the audacity to come and claim her healing. from. And, and you know, for me, this is something that I relate to very much, that there's a vulnerability there in allowing herself to be seen by Jesus. Sometimes, as much as I've, you know, I've just said, we think that we have to do it alone. Actually, sometimes it's easier to do it alone. And there's, <laughs> in the, when I got married, in I think two out of the three speeches, um, they referenced <laughs> the story of when I first met my husband. And it's very famous in our family that my first words to him were, I'm strong. I was moving into a community house and um, I think he offered to carry a heavy suitcase for me. And, and I was thinking, no, no, I don't need help. I'm strong. I can do this. In other words, you know, I'm woman and woman's got this. I don't need no man. <laughs> but like for me, that, that I'm strong is, is a big part of my personality that I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to identify myself. In the, in the way that this woman has done, that she's identified herself in her moment of need. And um, so those are the two things that I think really attract me to this woman, that she had that faith that Jesus would do something. Someone is coming, not nobody's coming. And then she had the courage to identify herself and allow Jesus to see her in that vulnerability. Yeah. She is an incredible woman The more, when I was reflecting on her too because she would have been shunned in her community because, mm. because of her bleed. So it was quite a risk, quite a risk for her to uh, enter the crowd. So yeah. she had an extraordinary faith, well, to trust that something that Jesus was healer. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you think a woman with a hemorrhage, the first unnamed woman we're doing in the Bible yeah. today, there's yeah. lots of unnamed women. So I'm very excited to be speaking about one of the unnamed women. So why is she relevant today? I mean, I think you know, exactly what you just said is one of the, the big things that that comes to mind here that she's not even given a name you know as, as far as we know Jesus hasn't met her before she's a nobody um and I, you know I think she's a nobody just like me in that, in that sense in the very best sense you know like that when I think you know Jesus wouldn't do that for me but she was a nobody if I think Jesus wouldn't do it for me because I'm not significant enough then why would he do it for her when she was not significant in fact she was like you say completely shunned by society she was completely insignificant to them and yet he performed this miracle for her. So the fact that she's not even given a name, that she's not an acquaintance or a friend of Jesus, you know, that says to me, of course he can do it for me and do it for any one of us. And another thing is, you know, in, in the day and age that we're in, how often do we hear or do we say, where is God in this? Where is God in this? You know, there's so much suffering and evil and hardship. And we just think, where are you in this God? And, you know, in other words, what we're saying is he doesn't see me. If we're asking where God is in this, we're saying I'm not seeing here. He doesn't see this suffering. He's not with me. Um, and, you know, I think this has been a particular journey for me recently. Um, I mentioned at the beginning, we've just moved back up here. Um, we've been trying to move house for months. And in fact, before Noah, my youngest son was born, we were in a chain to buy a house and it fell through. And 
honestly, I just I couldn't tell you the whole story because we'd be here for hours. But it's just been one thing after another, after another disappointment and let down and unexpected hurdles um, to the point that we're now living back with my parents. You know, I'm 28. I've <laughs> got married, bought a house, had two children, left home. And somehow I'm back living with my parents like a teenager. And, you know, that that's a hardship for me. That's a, a real challenge for me. And just a, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving in the pouring rain up to a viewing of a house, which turned out to be another red herring, not the right house for us. Um, but it's absolutely pouring down with rain. I've got the baby in the back, um, fortunately asleep. My husband was meeting us there. He'd already had a five hour journey to work because the M6 was closed. Um, and, you know, in the car, I'm, I'm touching that cloak again and I'm saying, do you see me even now? Lord, you know, even at this point in the journey, do you see me? Sometimes it's so hard to claim that truth to believe you still see me. And when I agreed to um, to have this conversation with you and I chose this woman, I thought, oh, brilliant. You know, this was a couple of months ago. That's great yeah. because obviously the Lord's going to have answered the situation by then. And I'll have this brilliant testimony to share of he saw me and this is the resolution. Um, but I realized, you know, I still don't have the resolution to this situation. But as much as I've been reflecting on it more recently, I've been thinking, but that's not the point. The point is that this woman gives me hope that it's coming. You know, she didn't have the testimony at the point where she had the faith that she'd be healed. She had to choose to touch the cloak while she was in the suffering, whilst it was still going. And that to me says that I am, we are seen in the suffering. So the, the fact that we're, we're in this crazy world and we're in these crazy life situations, you know, this is just my most recent example. Of, you know, everybody has their own story of, of hardship or of challenges, but that suffering that she was in didn't mean that she was unloved. It didn't mean that she was unseen or that she was forgotten. And somehow, and this is the biggest challenge for me from this woman, somehow in that level of suffering, 12 years of bleeding, you know, that's, at the amount of time I can't even imagine being in that suffering for nonstop. And yet whilst that suffering was still continuing, she had the faith then to touch the cloak and believe she'd be healed. And that's the risk that Jesus asks us to take, you know, despite what we see. It, it, one of the Gospels tells us, you know, we, have, we need to have faith without sight. Despite what we see around us, he's still good. What we don't see is still there. The spiritual element, the, the truth of Jesus is still there. Um, and she just so challenges me to remember that when things feel difficult. I agree. It's really important to remain faithful and trust, which can be really difficult when you can't see an end to your current suffering or situation, whatever that suffering actually is. And like you say, that woman had it for 12 years. So she Mm -hmm. does have a great lesson to teach us. 12 years. Yeah. She must have been in despair so many times. And I think poor old me, you know. (laughs) Woe is me. I've got such a hard life. Like she had so much more of a hard life than I've ever had. Uh, so she does give us great hope. One thing I, I noticed as well, and I, I did check this, that um, what really struck me about this particular passage as well as her was the fact that Jesus felt the power go out from him. And apparently that's the only time that that's mentioned in any of the Gospels, any description of Jesus feeling the power. And wow. so he, and he didn't just, walk, you know, know, oh, something great's just happened, but I'm on the way to do something really important. But he stopped and turned around and, and wanted to know who, who had touched him, who, who'd been healed. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So like I say, we're not insignificant, <laughs> even though we can feel like we are. So was there anything else that you would like to add to, to help us reflect on the woman or... Yeah, I mean, I just think 
it is so significant. We've already spoken about the fact that that she didn't have a name. Um, but it's not that she didn't have a name, that she wasn't named in scripture. She did have a name. That, that's the thing, you know, we don't know it, we're not told it, but she did have a name, she did have an identity. Um, and that was what was important. It was her humanity and her dignity that Jesus saw. And that, you know, in the way that Jesus treated her can also speak because of how we should and can be treating other people. You know, if we pass someone in the street, how do we respond to them? Because we see them as nameless. If we've never met them before, just like Jesus has never met this woman, mm. we see a homeless person or <laughs> a, a child or, you know, whatever it might be, the, the least of society. How do we respond to them? Do we remember that they have a name? Do we remember that they have dignity and humanity in the same way that Jesus remembered this about this woman. Oh, that's beautiful. And Jesus does, I think, in the translation I have next to me, refers to her as daughter. And that's even, well, really precious, isn't it? Because it's part of the family he referred mm-hmm. as daughter. And I suppose in terms of our sort of spiritual journey, that speaks volumes too, that no matter mm-hmm. where we've been or how far away we've drifted, even in our nothingness or our unknownness that we feel you know I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all she didn't have a a, you know physical relationship with him she'd not met him before they weren't friends and yet he still calls her daughter so immediately as soon as she comes to him that depth of intimacy is there straight away and it's the same for us you know if we're drifting but then we come back to Jesus even though we don't feel we've got that really strong relationship he immediately is you know to him it's still daughter it's never changed. It's never been anything different. It's still daughter. Yeah. Wow, that, that's that's beautiful, actually. I'm really pleased that you highlighted that because, yeah, he's just waiting there with open arms and often we can feel maybe embarrassed or ashamed as we, as we, yeah. as we walk back towards us, walk back towards them with our baggage or where we've drifted off. And, yeah. and he's not there to condemn us at all. He's just, daughter, could you come yeah. home? You know, that's the same that's saying at the beginning for me, I would think he would do this for her, but not for me. But that's the same exactly in that example. You know, we might come back yes. to church or come back to prayer and think, yeah, all those other people that have been praying for years, their daughter, I'm not. But actually, we all are. Yes, exactly. He doesn't have a list of who's been the most perfect. He mm. just like a, a loving father wanting to welcome everybody, everybody yeah. back. Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful for you highlighting the wonderful woman of faith, the wonderful woman with the hemorrhage. And I would like to encourage all the listeners to reflect and go and pray with the woman with the hemorrhage and her relationship with how she becomes transformed by Jesus. And Esther chose, I think, Mark 5. Mark 5, 25 to 34. Yes, so if you particularly look at those, but she can also be found in Luke and Matthew. So if you really want to get to know every aspect of all all of her, you can go to those Gospels as well. Thank you very, very much for joining me, Esther. It's been a pleasure listening to your reflections. You're so welcome. Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Nasley Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.